Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I don't know why I said welcome back. Welcome to Cavs Podcast. Cavs win their third game in a row tonight in Rocket Mortgage Field House, taking down the Denver Nuggets 121-109 in a game that really wasn't close as close as that. The they were up what 22 when the garbage time team came in and they gave up like 12 points, but of that lead, but yeah, the Cavs played really awesome tonight. Um, definitely felt like a Jared Allen bounce back game with 42 points, or I'm sorry, 15 points and five rebounds and five assists and a plus 42 against the Joker who battled foul trouble all night. And I feel like one of those things that is weirdly underreported Jared Allen seems to be one of the guys in the league that is better at matching up with Jokic than most. And I don't know what it is, but I specifically remember two or three, maybe even more really good games against the Nuggets from Jared Allen. And it's guys, Eli, how nice is it to see Jared Allen uh, being Jared Allen again? Oh, man, it was great. That dunk. That Struis fed him, or what, for his eighth straight point to start the second half? Yeah. Man, that gave me all the warm and fuzzies uh, just to see him get up like that and, you know, gave Jokic a little shoulder tap on the way out after that dunk, too, I think. So I just was that what facilitated the uh, flagrant? Uh, I think when you let your matchup score eight straight points to start the second half, you're probably not happy. Um, but it did feel like Jokic was definitely frustrated in that flagrant one. Um, was, uh, you know, I think it was, he was just super frustrated. And I think Aaron, Allen does a great job of getting under his skin, like you said, and maybe quietly. So. Yeah. And another big thing tonight, uh, the Cavs won the rebound battle against um, the Nuggets, uh, which. 47 to 32, I believe, 33. Um, that's a that's a big difference. And the one thing that I've really noticed in the last week is the Cavs have really been scrapping for rebounds as a team. You're seeing a lot of plays where the gar- the bigs will tip it out to guards or vice versa. But the Cavs have really been rebounding well. What's been the big difference, Chris? Um, Dean Wade, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was hoping yeah, you would yeah. go there. Yeah, well, you know, as far as Allen goes, like, what I loved about him tonight is just his physicality. That's what got under Jokic's skin. Normally, Jokic is the one that deals out blows and is the physical player. And it was nice to see Jared Allen, you know, who gives up probably, like, how many pounds to him? 20, 30, easily, you know? Uh, bang, Bang on him. Uh, it was awesome to see, you know, that's the fire from Jared Allen we need to see. And Dean Wade with a double digit rebounds, like and a plus 25 in 24 minutes. Like this is, it's finally him not being parked on the bench. JB showing some trust in him. I think it's paying massive dividends on the defensive boards. Absolutely. The Dean Wade that we're seeing right now is the Dean Wade that a lot of people hoped they were getting at the beginning of the previous season when a lot of people had him penciled in as a starting three. And he, he's been really stellar, uh, low usage, clearly, but, you know, getting those rebounds, playing that defense, not turning the ball over. 
Um, just a really another really solid night from him. And he's not trying to do too much, which is what I think is really working for him. And the other guy that's just been fantastic, uh, Max Struess, who coming in tonight was uh, leading the NBA in on-off differential. Another just super solid floor game tonight. Uh, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, 1 block, 3 turnovers, you know, plus 14. But he's just been so incredibly solid in that starting 2-3 role that... I, I'm 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 eating my words, guys. Max Struess was a good signing. Eli, what did you text earlier? We look a little ridiculous. <laughs> I did. I think I texted. He's making us look a little silly. Um, hey, I'm happy I, he is. Hey, I'm happy to be wrong if it's something that's positive for the Cavs. Um, but to be, I don't want to toot my own horn. I think I was the most uh, didn't love it, but I did think I was the most optimistic out of us meaning I wasn't the most hateful of it I think um but I'm actually mostly impressed that he's making such a positive impact and he's not even shooting it great like he was two for six from three tonight and he just continues to do um all these other things that you know quite frankly I don't think anyone could foresee Um, his passing has been a lot better than I thought he's really unlocked Mobley with that two-man game yeah, and I feel like his um I feel like his defense is it's actually really impressive to me because I feel like he can barely run. Like when I watch him, it just feels like he doesn't move he moves at a much slower speed than everyone else on the court, but somehow he just is in the right spots, uh makes the right plays and just makes it really work all the way around, which is pretty well. I, I find it funny you say that because he's literally they've talked about it on the pod on the broadcast. He is like top three in the NBA in distance traveled for game. So he's clearly moving, you know, on defense and without the ball. Like he think he averages like 2.13 miles a game. Like that's really impressive. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 but it is kind of what you say. It doesn't look like he's going anywhere fast, but he's always moving. And I think, I don't think anybody else, any of us realized how strong he is. He looks much stronger than last season. And he also is much more athletic of a leaper than I thought. Like he's had some pretty thunderous dunks. That one he had against Detroit was epic. Like that was, that's going to go down as one of the best dunks of the season in the NBA, I feel like. Chris, what what have you liked about Max Struess? Or de- not liked if. If that's I mean, the case. he's all right. We should be talking about Craig Porter Jr., baby. <laughs> well, we got it. We'll get there. Don't we're burying the lead a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Come on, man. I mean, you know, Max Truth is fine. You know, I, I definitely agree with Eli. Uh, he's rebounding and passing the ball like we've never seen him do in his entire career. Thank God. You know what I mean? Because. You know, he's going to end up being one of the best signings in that range of like, you know, it was just assumed he was like a spot up shooter. That's it. You know, three and D. But he's like a genuine basketball player. You know, he knows how to do it all. So, you know, him being able to unlock, like you said, the Mobley, um, he's unable to lock, unlock Mobley with the direct handoffs and the screen game and the rescreen game. It's 
you know, thank God for him to that Mobley starting to flourish. I'm with you. Um, the other, well, let's get to the other cat you just mentioned, Craig Porter Jr., who had a monster game tonight. Chris, you want to take us through it? Yeah, man. I mean, it was funny because I wrote on the live thread, you know, about his numbers and they look like, you know, when you compare him to Isaac Okoro, they compare favorably. So, and, you know, when the news came that Karis Levert was uh, out for the game, you know, I was just like, this is, it's going to be Darius Garland and Craig Porter Jr. You know, they're the ones that are going to be running the whole show tonight. And, you know, because of how well, uh, Craig Porter Jr. played the Cavs beat the uh, you know defending champions. Like that's pretty crazy for your first opportunity, you know, to basically play a flawless, nearly flawless game. You know, your first real chance in the NBA. So you know, yeah, his line Craig tonight Porter was Jr. phenomenal: twenty-one points, four rebounds, four assists, zero turnovers in twenty-four minutes. Like three stocks. And three stocks, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did it all. And, uh, you know, like basically, you know, it was... He was the entire bench. Yeah, he was... It was the Craig Porter and Darius Garland show, you know? Like, they were were just orchestrating the whole game. And, uh, you know, and it did it flawlessly. I mean, like, you know, the the offense, the ball was moving. They out-assisted, like... uh, I'm pretty sure uh, the Nuggets lead the league in assists or assist rate, and uh, the Cavs out-assisted them 30-23. to 23. So, I mean, like, this is finally some ball that we're seeing that we have not seen the entire season yet. No, and there was a lot of action that I really liked. One of the things I loved, and I said in the live thread, but when... Uh, CPJ was in the pick and roll. They were running Sam Merrill off curl screens on the weak side and getting them free at the wing or the top of the key. And he was, you know, he was three for nine, but that action was so good. And the three he did hit, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Craig Porter Jr. hit him perfectly uh, right in the shooting pocket, and he just buried the shots. I mean, it's... it. I saw a lot more complexity and a lot more patience and a lot more, um, you know, actual intelligent design in the Cavs offense tonight. Uh, It was one of the front to back. It was the best game I think they played all year. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's top two easily. It might not be two either. And that's such a great point with Merrill because it prompts the question that I want to ask you two guys about, like, obviously Merrill brings something that Okoro doesn't. Craig Porter Jr. brings something that Okoro doesn't. Where's, where is Okoro in all this? Well, we're going to answer that right after the break. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. Chris Francis, Eli Kim, Nate Smith. We're talking Cavs basketball, three-game win streak, and the man of the minute, Craig Porter Jr., I think, Chris, you you posited before the break that what does his emergence mean for Isaac Okoro, and it's interesting to me because the other guy that finally looks like he might be close to game shape and actually had a decent game tonight, Georges uh, Rolling Donuts, the minivan Niang, 
had uh, 12 points and was plus 11. Uh, threw up a lot of garbage that went in, quite frankly, uh, that made his numbers look better than they might have on a lot of other nights. But uh, he played well. And the answer I got when I posted this question on, you know, Twitter or the artist formerly known as Twitter was Isaac Okoro should replace George's Niang uh, in the lineup. And I don't know if that's true. What do you think about that, Eli? I think anyone can replace Niang at this point. Uh I'm just, I'm just baffled how his leash is still so long right now. Um, I don't think he's really contributing much. I mean, granted, today he looked all right. Um, he made a couple threes that I think uh, shouldn't have gone in, to be quite frankly. Um, but I just think that he, uh, he does have a role as that stretch big, and I feel like the Cavs still kind of have a lack of guys who are over six, eight or, you know, over six, five, sorry, that can rebound and hit threes. So I think for that reason, they're sticking with Yang, but maybe that's where Dean Wade keeps earning more and more minutes and Yang gets less and less. That'd be my preference if we're going to cut Yang's minutes. Well, so what, um, so in answer to Chris's question, what does that mean for Isaac Okoro? Um, I think there is a role for a chorus though. I know, um, Chris hates him, but I think that in certain matchups, you still have to roll with the core because he simply don't have anyone else who can defend at the level he can. Um, and I think even though CPJ had a great game and probably offers more, you know, pat playmaking, um, but they both can't shoot really, but CPJ is still kind of small. Um, so I think Koro still can guard way more guards and wings than the other guys can at the same level. Well, and to me, part of the discussion of do you put a Koro, do you try some minutes of for him at the four? The problem with that is Koro has always been better at playing down and guarding guards than he has been playing up. And I'm not sure he's ready to do that, but who knows? Maybe you can do that against bench teams. Um, I'm I'm skeptical, but we'll see. Uh, the one guy I would love to see fewer minutes of, even though he, he gave him some nice moments tonight and picked up some fouls against um, the Joker, was Tristan Thompson. Uh, what was it you said? Get, get him off the floor, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he single-handedly brought the Nuggets back into the game in the first half. I mean, like, I'm he, not lying. Like I'm, a, I'm not arguing with you. They, they went on a 10-0 run as soon as he hit the floor. And it was like, it happened in like, I don't know, like five minutes or something like that. But, I mean, you know, JB was definitely screwing around a little bit tonight. Like we saw like Tristan Thompson, Evan Mobley, Georges Yang minutes. Like that's a crazy, I mean, like I get, he wants to put size out there, but that's also a, like, that's a real crazy lineup. So, but it worked know. because Craig Porter Jr. was so damn good Pretty and much. he had enough room. The sport floor was spaced enough that it was basically him and a big and three shooters. And right, that's right. why it worked. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that goes back to your point about Sam Merrill. I think just guys respect his gravity. Like, I mean, pretty much you could see the, the three-point shots that he did make 
were probably the most open shots he had all night. Like he, he was guarded so closely that it, it pretty much, you know, it was almost impossible for him to get a shot off cleanly. So, but I mean, that's just how much gravity he has. And I think that definitely helped like it helped Craig Porter Jr. And the, the you know, one of the big advantages I'll give Porter Jr. over Okoro is he can actually make a mid range jumper, you know? Like, oh, absolutely. Have, He's very good mid range jump shooter. Yeah. Exactly. He he may not have three point range, but he at least will put hit, he'll take and make the pull up jumper. And, uh, you know, so pair that with the passing and it just confuses me. Like why, you know, like what is a doing here? You know, like what is he doing? He's not even rebounding. Like you said, Craig Porter Jr. is shorter. He has a, like almost double the rebound rate of a you know, so to me, that's what makes me so mad about Okoro. That's the reason why I dislike him. It's like, rebound the damn ball, please. <laughs> please. No, and there's definitely a pop to Craig Porter Jr.'s game. Like, you can see the athleticism. He had a rebound in the third quarter where he about jumped 11 feet in the air for that rebound. Yeah, that was I crazy. Mean, it, was, was, it was it was impressive, and then it fed a break for the Cavs. And yeah, he had that steal, that one steal he had where he reached back <laughs> against his body. I mean, that would make that would make any NFL cornerback proud, that steal. <laughs> oh, man, that was a, such an incredible play. And so, like, I, I'm just saying, like, the eye test says that he is bringing an element that Okoro doesn't. So, like, it, uh, to me, I, I mean, you make a great point. Like, that's what the real competition should be for the end of the bench is Niang and Okoro duking it out for minutes. I'm not arguing with you. And and to me, if Craig Porter Jr. can keep playing like he's playing, it it gives you some roster luxuries. Like, maybe you can tinker this roster a little bit and get a guy that can actually has a size to play the three. I mean, other than Dean Wade. Like, another guy that has a size to play the three in the NBA. <laughs> Um, I, it was really impressive. And to do everything they did tonight without Donovan Mitchell, and, and granted uh, Murray was out for Denver, but it was still a super impressive win. Love it. I, I love we'll it too. Uh, Darius Garland, I thought, played a one of his better games, probably his best game of the season all around, especially with Donovan Mitchell out and... Although still had four turnovers, which is a lot. Has he turned a corner or is it just he's better when he has the ball in his hands more? Eli? I feel like he needs the ball in his hands to get his rhythm back. Um, I think the last two games have hopefully helped him do that. But it's just it's just weird that his shot is so bad right now. Like... He has no confidence in his three-pointer, I feel he, like. He's been shooting okay. He started the year so rough, and I think he's trying to shoot out of it. Some of the shots I feel like he takes, I don't know. But I do admit, I think this is his best game of the year so far. Um, but to your point, I feel like it's not... I feel like the Cavs still haven't figured out how to maximize both those guys. Because to your point, I do feel like both of those guys are having their best games when they're playing without each other even though the numbers say that they're actually pretty decent together. Um, so I don't know what, maybe it's just an eye test thing or a result based 
uh, um, conclusion, but I think they still have some work to do to kind of keep that chemistry going and find better ways and more efficiencies together. Yeah, I mean, Garland, the last five games, 11 for 26, which is over 40%. So he's been shooting pretty well, actually. I stand corrected on that. <laughs> um, I he he seems like a more reticent shooter, and his free throw stroke, absolutely, like he's shooting well below eighty percent on the season, which is atypical for him. And obviously, his turn he's had some massive turnover games. Um, but I I find it interesting that the Cavs, you know, one week on we had a game against basically the Cavs played four games in the last seven nights and. It's interesting because last Sunday was probably the worst Cavs loss of the season. Like, people were morose after that Sacramento loss. And tonight is probably the best Cavs win of the season, uh, at least in terms of quality of opponent and how well they played. Uh, is, Is it just them getting healthy? What is it, Chris? Like, what's the difference in the last week? Did they just need a week of bum slaying? Yeah, I mean, I think it was both. I mean, it's basically, to me, it's really about J.A. and D.G. trying to play themselves back into form. Like, they were just not good for, you know. No, and and against Sacramento, like, we were worried about Jared Allen. He had no lift at all. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Jared Allen. Like, he played no preseason, no training camp, missed the first five games of the season. Like... Sadly, it's probably going to take till, you know, game 20 or 30 before really Allen's probably in season shape. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And bone bruises freaking hurt. I So if you read my fishing story from the beginning of the season, I had to scramble up on some rocks and I've still got like nerve damage, like right below my knees. Like I get weird phantom pains and stuff because I got bone bruises. And, you know, on my shin and bone bruises take a long time to heal and they hurt and you get phantom pains and you get, you know, it feels like you've got a bruise for three, four months. So, you know, it's going to be touch and go as some days he's going to be healthier than others. And thankfully, he was much healthier tonight, but he's his finishing is definitely improved. He feels like he's got his timing back a little bit and. You know, let's talk about how well Evan Mobley has played over the last five games. He, he's he been fantastic on both ends of the floor. Like, Eli, is, has Mobley turned a corner? I think so. I think he's playing more to his strengths and not thinking as much. I think the game has come much more simple for him. He's kind of being that luxury, uh, you know, rim running, um, two-man game playing. Uh, player and I think he's not being at he's I feel like maybe the stats are way off on this but I feel like he's not really focused on doing the face up stuff as much and really playing well with uh, getting fed the ball especially from Struess I feel like Chris anything to add there no I mean he's been yeah I think he's finally I think focused on the defensive end like his rebounding 10 boards tonight, 
and uh, he's moving the ball five assists, so he's not taking bad shots. Took you know eight of eleven, very efficient shooting, two blocks, led the team. So I think everything follows from the defensive end for him. Like remember the block that he had? Like he basically blocked a dunk. Uh, you know I forget what uh, who. Uh, yeah. You know, it was just like a last second, you know, last second attempt and just being competitive, you know, being competitive on the defensive end, having showing some physicality, not just not getting punked. Like, you know, that's what it's all about for Mobley and Allen. I don't care what stats they put up or whatever, but like you're getting punked on the boards on defense. You're not you're not adjusting shots at the rim on defense. Then why are you on the floor? You know? Like, that's your job. Like, that's the identity of the team is when Mobley and Allen basically don't let anybody shoot around the rim and they are able to dominate the glass on the offensive end, you know? And I think we're seeing that, you know? And I think uh, Garland getting healthy, it it means more a lot, means a lot to that because then they don't have to do as much on offense. Like, Garland's going to do a lot on offense and all you have to do is finish. So, you know, I think uh, finally it's all coming together, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, but, but the key has been, I think, JB's started to play larger lineups with Wade now. Like Wade's minutes are steadily increasing. So I think now you have Wade at the three, Struce at the two. We saw a lot of those lineups tonight, you know, and just finally putting some size on the floor uh, seems to make a huge difference, seems to make the bigs more effective. I, I'm with you. And just looking at Mobley's numbers, I mean, you complained a lot about his rebounding earlier in the season, but he's been Mr. Double-Double over the last four games. He's uh, 11 rebounds, just about 16 uh, points, four assists, about two stocks a game. Um, and the rebounds haven't been, or I'm sorry, the turnovers haven't been terrible, just around two turnovers a game. But the thing that's been really impressive is the shooting percentage. If he's been shooting a lot of dunks, but he's been finishing his non-dunks and not he's only taken one three-pointer in that stretch. Whereas in the previous four games before that, he had literally taken five three-pointers and missed them all. Like he's taken the bad shots out of his game. And one of the things I really like is Dean Wade in the corner. And when Dean Wade's in the corner with him at the four and at the dunker spot, and then Allen at the five at the high elbow, it's been a really, really good look for the Cavs because Dean Wade has been a really good corner three-point shooter this year. And Mobley, like like you said, he's they're not giving him the ball in the half court, like above the foul line extended. They're playing him down in the box. And he's finishing plays, and sometimes he gets in that short roll, but he's finishing plays. He's not as much of an initiator, well, but he does move the ball. Hmm? We saw him initiate tonight, though. You know, and I think it was, a little uh, bit, yeah. You know, I thought it was good. You know, I, I, I thought it was a little bit more than I'd seen in the last few games, to be honest with you. Definitely. Oh, definitely. I don't think I've seen it all year. Like, he, he ran a pick and roll with uh, Jared Allen. Oh, yeah, that big, big 4-5 pick and roll is a super effective play for them, actually. Because, yeah, they ran it against Detroit first game of the of – the, and Detroit just, like, didn't even know who to hit him. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. What was your 
uh, take on the Detroit game, um, Eli? Did you get to watch it? Uh, I did. It was a much-needed victory. Um, and you know what? Those jerseys, I thought they'd be better in uh, in game, but they were atrocious. Oh, were you there? No, no, I'm just saying, like, I thought they looked terrible on TV as well. Yeah, and um, it's funny because I don't hate the Cavs tournament court. It's one of the few in the league that I don't hate. It doesn't look like it doesn't make my TV look washed out. Yeah, I think everyone changed the courts a little bit, though. I thought they were allowed to do that after all the complaints. Um, yeah. So I don't know what the original thing was, but I'm definitely glad that it. we never had a witness like a wine uh, I think there is a wine court, but I don't think they kept it. Like, I think we're going to see the tan court the rest of the yeah. season. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that being said, I thought it was a much-needed game, especially with Mitchell, um, you know, not in the lineup. And On the bench, Garland, yep. And Garland needed kind of, you know, to get back in rhythm. Um, I thought it's hilarious that Mobley uh, walk-up dunk. Um, I thought that was a really interesting play, but just proves, you know, how, how bad the Pistons are right now, really. Um, you mean right at the end when Detroit just decided they weren't going to defend anybody? Yeah, they <laughs> just, just like yeah. let them walk, walk through. Um, yeah, I do think there were, I think it was a good confidence booster, um, for a lot of the guys, especially as they're trying to get better, uh, rehab, basically use it as a rehab assignment. So. Overall, I mean, I think it's good to get wins like that because every win matters and getting back in rhythm, especially with guys missing, is uh, key. So good game and, you know, kind of met the expectation of what was needed in that scenario. Uh, I'm going to be a fourth quarter. What did you say, Chris? The Garland fourth quarter was nice. I think that's really what keyed him into bouncing back was he finally got some confidence from that game. Yeah, I I guess I was a little disappointed. I wanted to see him put it on Detroit a little more, and mainly because of the fact that margin of victory is a big tiebreaker in the in-season tournament, and the Cavs have already lost the game. But, you know, big picture, probably, you know, get the win, keep everybody healthy. I just thought that they played down to Detroit a little bit, who was literally missing, like, their three best guys and just to beat them by eight. I felt like they were on cruise control a little bit, but you, you know, you play the team that's in front of you and a win is always better than a loss. And I think they covered, man. Yeah. Well, if they would have lost to Detroit, that would have been Defcon. Whatever. Well, that was like that Houston loss, like two last year. I think, I think it was Houston. Like yeah. the Cavs just had some brutal losses last year. And I don't feel like they've lost to anybody that's just an abjectly terrible team so far this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, OKC is legit good. Um, yeah, I know you hate shy, but the Pacers so far are legit good. New York is you know a five hundred ish team that punches above their weight against the Cavs, and like they've beaten Brooklyn and they've beaten Detroit. And they beat in Portland. So, and Sacramento is weird because they had just gotten Fox back and he looked fantastic against the Cavs. Well, he's looked fantastic since he's yeah. back. So, 
Yeah, he's really impressive. And I also felt like that the other part, as as much as I felt like the Cavs should have beaten up on Detroit a little bit, I also thought that a lot of Cavs fandom that was really down after the Sacramento loss kind of has no idea how good Sacramento is because they literally had the second best big in the league, arguably, or in they have the second best big in the West for sure. And, and Fox, and they were third seed in the West last year. It's like, it's not like this is a bad team that kicked your butt. You got your butt kicked on, you know, towards the end of a road trip, um, missing, I, I can't remember who the Cavs are missing that night, but they they, they did not Buck, play well. Uh, and hmm? Detroit, they were missing Mitchell, weren't they? Again, no, against Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento. Like, I didn't think that that loss, like, they just got their butts kicked and you move on. Like, they shot well, but they didn't defend, but it was also clear that Allen just didn't have it that night. So you just take the loss and move on. I thought teams, I actually think that game that JB coached pretty well, and I think he's coached pretty well this week. It's actually the best week of coaching I've seen from JB in a while. And that includes the Sacramento game. I mean, I guess that's the next question when we come back. Has JB turned a corner? Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just kind of an impromptu uh, intro there. Love it. We've got Eli Kim. I'm Nate Smith. we got Chris Francis in the booth with us. And we're talking Cavs basketball. And just kind of weekend review, you know, the Kings game through tonight's game, you know, it's a it's a hundred hundred eighty degree turnaround, it feels like to me. And who's impressed you the most in the last week, Eli? Man, I it's might have to be JB. Uh, I mean, Craig Porter Jr. is up there, player wise. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think, I think Mobley's actually pretty high up, like quiet. It's been quiet though. It's not like a um, Mobley's quietly been really good this week, um, but he hasn't had like a standout game, but. I think just everyone is really turning the corner uh, as this week went on. I know the Sacramento loss hurt a lot of people's feelings, but Sacramento is a really good team. I mean, I watched them yesterday dominate, and De'Aaron Fox just looks really, really freaking good since he's come back. So, and they're deep. Yeah, Malik Monk is just still great. Like it's incredible how good he is uh, for that team. And, Modern day J.R. Smith with just the ability to pull up from anywhere. Yeah. And then I think, you know, I, I think we all admit Portland and Detroit are terrible. So getting those two games this week definitely helps, uh, you know, keep the positivity train going. But they need an overall, break, I think. The uh, schedule's been brutal. What'd you say, Chris? The schedule's been brutal. Oh, for they sure. Start the, start the year. Like, but. They, I mean, if you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the season and someone told you the Cavs were seven and six, would you be happy with it? I think so, because you play the Warriors twice, you play, you play the Knicks twice. I mean, you play Oklahoma City twice. Yeah, 
I mean, I think if there's a game that's disappointing, it's probably the way the Pacers game went down to the wire. The, um, they dropped one, I felt, like both to the Pacers and the Thunder that they probably should have won, yeah, especially that, that second Thunder game. That. See, that's what? the thing is that I think Indy and Oklahoma City like are in that – like they're the ones who are uh, basically, I think, the Cavs' direct competition, right? As uh, far as young and up-and-coming teams. Yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, Holmgren looks deadly right now, and Halliburton is playing as at, as well at point guard as anyone in the association. Mm-hmm. I mean, he leaves a lead with assists, right? Yeah, and he's just shooting the lights out, too. So, yeah. I mean, I know you mentioned going into the break, JB having a great week of coaching. Um, couldn't agree more. I think... I think we've seen a lot of – I think he's changed a lot as a coach in terms of stylistically. I still think he struggles a little bit with rotations um, like Georges Niang. Uh, and now it's weird because he liked Damian Jones to start the year and then he probably went with him a touch too long and now I feel like he's going a touch too long with Tristan Thompson. Um, but – I think overall, I have to say I'm okay to slightly please with JB um, to start the year. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Chris. So what, what do you think about that? I mean, I feel like he kind of lucked into this with the Okoro injury, to be honest with you. And uh, you know, so I think the real test is going to be: is he going to stick with Craig Porter Jr. and Sam Merrill, for instance, Dean you know, Wade? You know, and Dean Wade. Yeah, exactly. Are these guys going to stick when Isaac Okoro comes back? Or is it going to be more of his nonsense, you know, playing so many freaking bad shooters or short guys, you know, like at the four or whatever, just doing whatever at the four um, when it clearly should be Dean Wade, you know, like Dean Wade, I think for whatever the reason, like there's no reason in this entire earth that Dean Wade should be playing less minutes per game than Georges Yang so far this year. It's just totally, there's no reason for it. Well, I'll give you a devil's advocate. I think literally JB was trying to play Niang into shape. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, Niang looked like, I think it's a, more than that. I mean, it's like, he's a veteran too. And a lot of young guys are on the court. So he wants a veteran presence, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know, it wasn't working, you know, they were sucking, you know, granted there were injuries and stuff, but like, you know, just like basic stuff like that. Like I, to me, I just wonder, do you guys think, you know I mean? Like to me, the question is, is Sam Merrill and Craig Porter Jr. still going to stick? Are they going to have to? I don't think get... Sam Merrill sees a sniff of the court when guys well, are healthy. Exactly, and I'm. But I don't I'm think not, that's not necessarily sure a bad that. thing. I don't. Now he st- he was still minus fifteen tonight. Like it wasn't. He he held his own and he played fine, but he wasn't like great. He was fine. Like I'm he looked better than he was because Craig Porter Jr. was so role. dang like, good. People are going to defend him at the three point line, and they're not going to defend Okoro. That's also fair. Yeah, so that's my only point. You know, it's not about what they're producing necessarily. Number one, it's about how they work within the team concept. It's a fair assessment. So, who's your uh, MVP of the week? Who's your Cavs Player of the Week from Sunday to Sunday, Chris? 
Sunday to Sunday. Or coach. <laughs> or GM. I mean, I'm going to, man, I'm going to have to say, let's go with, um, I'm going to go with Darius Garland. Really? Because you know? yeah. he, he was not good in that um, Sacramento game. Sure. Sure, but I mean, like, I think he woke up with the Detroit game. I think it's carried on, and you know, and and he painted the masterpiece tonight. So, you know, I'm gonna say, yeah, I mean, like, the, we're finally winning games, and Darius Garland and Jared Allen. I mean, like, that was the two I was thinking of, Jared Allen, or um, and maybe it really should be Jared Allen. I mean, the job he did on, uh, I changed my answer. It's gonna be Jared Allen. The job he did on Jokic was uh, MVP worthy. Sorry, what were you? Sorry, you cut out on me there, Chris. What'd you say? What'd you say at the end? Oh, I said uh, the job that Jared Allen did. Was oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I had some audio come on from a website because I was pulling up some stats and I couldn't hear you. Um, so I I've got two answers. Mine is Evan Mobley's had a fantastic week. I went through his numbers earlier, and then my other guy. The guy brought up at the beginning of the podcast, Georges Niang is just, I'm, I'm sorry, Max Struess. I can't believe I did that. I'm embarrassed. Um, Max wow, Struess. For is, shame. For shame. That was bad. <laughs> Max Struess has been fantastic this week. I mean, he's shooting around 50% from the field. He's shooting above 40% from three. He had that monster dunk against Detroit. He was one of the few guys... I guess he didn't have a great shooting game against uh, Sacramento, and they could have really used one. So I'll, I'll fault him for that, but I'm going to uh, – or no, I'm sorry, against Portland. Uh, he actually played really well against uh, Sacramento. was one of the Cavs' better players. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Max Struess just because I think he's kind of been the key to unlocking Mobley and – making that offense work and he's his defense has been really good. So, he gets my uh, JYD for the week. Did who got the JYD tonight? I don't know. Eli usually knows the answer to this one. Eli? I actually don't know. Let me double check, but I do know CPJ wow. already got it once. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like he sh- yeah. yeah, and it, usually they give it maybe it'll go to Dean Wade. So you give it usually give it to like a defensive performance, but Jared Allen might get it too. Yeah, just for, Jared Allen, yeah, it's gonna be it should be between Jared Allen and Dean Wade. Just just for body bagging uh, uh, the Joker and taking the flagrant. Oh, I love that. That was so good. Was oh, so they gave good. it to uh, CPJ and Jared Allen. Okay, uh, well there yeah. you go. Well, yeah. How, how do you split a JYD try? Well, I guess the I Y splits right down the middle. It was the J. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were hand- he was handing it off, wasn't he? Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that actually is kind of a cool thing they do where they yeah, hand it off. Cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you everything know, they- tastes better after a win. Food tastes better. Your- Beer <laughs> tastes better. You can buy your own junkyard dock chain at every Cavs home game for thirty dollars. <laughs> really? That's a good deal. No, it's actually like made out of plastic and really light. I bet I you could get a pretty snazzy uh, just make your own. 
Oh yeah. I could sure could buy one on Timu or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Eli, you still got the gold jacket? I still do. Um have not worn it to a Cavs game yet. But wow. I will try to do that. Are, are you that. going Wednesday? I'm not. Oh, bummer. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be at the Kevin Love. Is that Kevin Love's it's not his first game back in Cleveland, but it's his first game back this year. And I don't feel like they played him a video last year. So I think we might see a video tribute for Kevin Love. Oh, man. It's going to be so good. Oh, man. It's going to be good for Nate. Like, that's, <laughs> it's a date. It's me and my wife. And she's, his, she's, she's on, he's on her hall pass list. Oh, so. wow. Love is in the air. <laughs> wow. She's actually going to wear my Kevin Love t-shirt. Is she going to make a poster that says that? I hope not. <laughs> that if you've ever met my wife, no, she's not going to do that. <laughs> well, and she's even funny. She goes, I don't even want to hear him talk because I don't like when he talks. <laughs> I just want to look at him. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god. <laughs> so I mean she she has a very specific set of rules for uh the Kevin Love experience. <laughs> And with that, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Nate Smith, Eli Kim, Chris Francis, talking about the Cavs schedule coming up for the next week. And it's it's brutal. It, it's another four games and seven nights, which isn't too bad. But the Heat and then the Lakers are on back-to-backs during the homestand. Uh, and I think the Cavs have like a five-game homestand. At least uh, over over late uh, Thanksgiving break. So that's a nice thing to see. But Tuesday they go into Philly and for their end tournament group stage. And I feel like if they don't win that Philly game, they're pretty much out of it, right? Because it's really hard to do with two losses. Yeah, I think okay. you're right. And it's I think the, Philly is only... undefeated in group play, or they only have one loss. I'm not sure. I would assume they have none. I mean, they've been on fire, but I don't know if the, if those in game in season games were one of them. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, but they're very very good, and they've looked like one of the best teams in the league uh, ever since they were disimpacted from a golden turd that got <laughs> traded to the Clippers. Um. Yeah. Maxi looks incredible. They have really oh, nice yeah. floor balance. Like I feel like a lot of the bullshit is gone with them, and it's helped them a ton. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think they've unlocked Maxi. They've unlocked Tobias Harris to a certain extent. They have ammo to go get another guy. Yeah, you know, there's rumors about them with uh, Zach Levine or somebody else. You know, like I think they're going to be hunting. So. Yeah, I would love it if they got Zach Levine because I don't think he's very good. (laughs) He is. He has been. I think he'd be a good third fiddle. He has had one positive uh, Rapham year in like the last four years. He's he is an empty stats all star to me. But yeah, yeah, maybe uh, he would be a good third fiddle, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's no, you, you that's a fair point. Me and Chris talked about this when we talked, and we say he's like Colin Sexton, but five inches taller. No, right, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. there you go. But that that makes a difference, though, right? Yeah, so he's a lot exactly. better. 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if I had five okay. inches more, I'd be I'd be great too. Yeah, you you'd be the first. Um, oh God, dang it! What what's your nickname? I can't remember. The Korean Channing Fry. Yeah, you would actually be the Korean Channing Fry. Yeah. Wait, you can you could you even play in the Korean Basketball Association if you have five more inches? Like, isn't there a <sighs> height limit in that league? A height no, limit? No, you can be tall. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's there is a foreigner limit though, so that'd be. Oh, okay. You, yeah. <laughs> but I feel that uh, I'm not even going to get in. No good can come from me commenting on the rest of this conversation. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to, I'm like just setting myself up to get canceled. So I'm just going to let that one go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it's, it's a brutal stretch and, and Philly's really good. And then they play the heat on the second night of a back to back and the heat often seemed to have the Cavs number, but I feel like that Thanksgiving Eve game is a bit of a trap game, especially since they played Philly the night before. They play the Lakers on Saturday. They've got everybody's making Thanksgiving plans for the next day. Like the Cavs, I may have picked a bad game to go see because that has that classic sandwich game feel to it. But hopefully they 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 are in their turkey. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that Philly game is a nationally televised game. Yeah, that's a big game. Um, big, big I would game. say. It's probably the biggest game of the Cavs season so far, um, given where they're at, a game over 500 finally, and that it's a tournament play game. Like, they're going to have the special court out there in Philly. I don't know what it looks like. Nice. So we'll see. Love it. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have a fully healthy Cavs squad. Uh, any, either of you guys a little bit concerned about Donovan Mitchell's hamstring and the Cavs' string of ham? Oh God, I just did it. The string of ham injuries. Chris, <laughs> I'm worried. About- oh, go ahead, Eli. If you jump in there. Yeah, I'm worried about all these Cavs guards having hamstring injuries. It just blows my mind. I mean, I think or I think uh, Levert's injury today was technically a knee injury, but. Just, I uh, think it was technically load mal- load management, to be yeah, honest with you. It's just really suspicious that Mitchell, Garland, and Levert are all struggling. In and out consistent. of the lineup. Yeah. Well, the Cavs have been heavily dependent upon those guys in the games they have played just because one or the other has been out. So, um, you know, that's what I'm thinking, too. Like, I don't know who – was it you, Nate, that said load management? I think – Yeah, well, I you – yeah, like, load management. Like, you can't call it load management anymore, but it's still there. Right, right. That's – yeah. I think I think that's what it's mainly about. And I'm not that concerned – I'm, I'm not that concerned for that case because I really do think it was load management and they're just going to, you know, massage these guys through – probably the first 30 games of the season, you know, and, and then start, you know, hitting the gas pedal. Cause I, you know, that's the whole thing is like, I think, you know, the, what gave me solace about the rough start is that hopefully what they've designed this season for is let's peak in April. Like let's take losses if we have to at the beginning of the year so that we peak in April. So I'm hoping that's the, that's the long-term plan for the team. 
and why there was, you know, Jared Allen out, Darius Garland out, load management early for Donovan Mitchell, you know, it's CPJ minutes, you know, just, just try and get these guys peaking at the right time. Mm-hmm. Well put. Um, and then the, on Sunday they have, so Saturday, Sunday, they have a back-to-back with LeBron James and then uh, the Raptors come to town on Sunday. So it's it's definitely an action-packed week. Um, who, I guess, I feel like all those games are winnable. All those games are kind of teams that have haunted the Cavs in the past, but I I have... I feel like all those teams are a little bit on the downside. Obviously not the Sixers, but, you know, the Heat, although they've put seven and three in their last ten. Hopefully Hero uh, comes back. The Raptors are six and seven right now. What Hero was, oh, was Hero, he was playing really well, I thought, or was it all empty stats? I think it was all empty stats. <laughs> he was... I think they ripped off like a four or five game win streak as soon as he went down. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I'll be honest though, guys. I really miss Kevin Love for this casting. I feel like he'd be perfect <laughs> on the squad. No, oh, the man. insane thing is, is like there isn't a single freaking thing that George Niang does better than Kevin Love, and he makes twice as much money. Oh yeah. God, that breaks my heart. Oh my God. Oh. Breaks your heart, man. Uh, yeah. Breaks uh, breaks Nate's wife's heart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you you asshole. But on a serious note, I I do wonder. I tweet this like every couple games, but I do wonder if the Cavs could have a do over. Would they have just kept Kevin Love and played him a little bit? Because they need him. I mean, they need a rebounding stretch big, like really bad. And yeah, I know he's su- Kevin Love sucked a, for a while last uh, last year. Well, no has he even been him. playing from Miami? He started the year, but he's gotten some DMPs lately. But I still think like you could have managed that relationship because um, we we you know the. Cavs and him basically burned the eight year relationship away over not being transparent over a guy whose jersey they're going to retire. Exactly. And they did it because they trusted JB freaking bigger staff judgment <laughs> on this. Like that, that's what blows my mind on this. I'm with you. So uh, he did rack up some DNPs there, but since then, let, let me pull up his, uh, his aggregate box stats, of course, now basketball reference isn't isn't running well, but he hasn't been shooting the lights out. I'll I'll tell you that much. Um, he is four five for yikes five for thirty uh, twenty four five for twenty four uh, from three. In the last five games, which is pretty brutal. Uh, even his rebound numbers haven't been great, but he has been killing the plus minus. So, and he's been getting a line and making his free throws in his limited minutes. You know, he's playing what's, about uh, four, 14 minutes a night. From three here? On the year? 
like 27 percent or something like that yeah but he's ticked up a lot lately like his last several games have been much better from a three-point shooting standpoint let me take you through those i mean i guess his last three games his last three games he's five of nine from deep which is far better than he was earlier in the season yeah but he still had a pretty subpar game and was getting pretty abused against Sacramento. He also had the worst picture of the night. I don't know if any of you guys saw him. <laughs> I saw that. It that was picture so of him ass over teacup. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, Niang, like, it's the Cavs can't help themselves. Like, they're like, oh, we need a big who could maybe play center and stretch the floor and then they pick a guy who's like six foot six six foot seven to do that like well, so he the is other friends with he is friends with mitchell so yeah okay, exactly that's, maybe for that's that fine alone, but like... so so is royce o'neill pick the better that's player who will make some yeah, threes no, that's, like that's and, and can actually guard another nba player yes exactly. who isn't fat like you georges nian can guard julius randall but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> they're both fatties yeah. <laughs> My wife, fan of neither. <laughs> Though she does she does think um Buff Nick Kroll or Max Struess is pretty hot, so Yeah. Wow. Anyway, um I I feel very emasculated this episode. <laughs> If it, I think if my wife could do the um, the get out thing where she just took my brain and put it in Kevin Love's body, that would be like her ideal man. Wow. Wow. Don't say that, Nate. <laughs> I know. I take on, it all back. Hey, it's all on the inside, buddy. It's what's on the inside that counts. We've been married 23 years. She can have her fantasies. <laughs> I'll dress up in the Kevin Love jersey every year. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> we have some guy that comes to our uh room when we send the kids away. We just hire him to come over from Postmates. He just comes in and he just yells, Cleveland, this is for you. And then he leaves and the magic happens. So <laughs> Jesus. I can't with you. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Um, I did, uh, yeah, the, wow, my my. I don't even know. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? That, uh, that marriage is weird, guys. You got to do things to keep it interesting. I, just, I see. That's that's fantastic. I don't, that's I don't think I want to get married the, if this is what it is. <laughs> hey, twenty three years, man. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. That's great. <laughs> Great for you guys. <laughs> okay. Um, Raptors game, are you worried at all? That's next oh, Sunday. I'm, I'm terrified. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because they're goons. Yeah. Well, and, and also, also Scotty Barnes game. is playing well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's an agenda game, Mobley versus Scotty, you know. So, um, and Scotty's playing well, so we need to we need to put that shit down. Fair. I'm with you. Um, here's a question is, well, we'll, we'll get to it after the break. We'll be right back. 
Yeah, we could do it. Just let's just go then. Okay. We are just going. I literally hit record. Welcome back All to right. Cavs a Podcast. <laughs> I'm here with uh, Chris Francis and Eli Kim. I'm Nate Smith. We're talking Cavs basketball, and I guess the one thing I wanted to ask you guys: I feel like Evan Mobley's shot has been better, like over the last week and a half. Like the free throws, he's had some perfect games from the free throw line. Kind of calmed down. He stopped taking threes. Is, you know, turning a corner again, is Evan Mobley's shot turning a corner, Chris? Or is he just getting a lot of dunks? I think he's, I think it's TBD. Um, The free throw stats, slight uptick, but um, I need to see more. Definitely need to see more. What about you, Eli? Lightning round. Um, I think he's playing smarter. He's getting smarter shots. Fair. Eli, next question. Is what we're seeing from Craig Porter Jr. sustainable? Mm, no. He's not going to go 7 from 10 every every game. Okay, fair. I just meant quality of play in general and, you know, the heady point guard play off the bench, I guess. I could, I could agree to that, yes. Um, the one thing that I don't think is sustainable are the insane stocks that he's getting. Um so that would be my hedge against that. But those are that's what he did in college. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you, is what CPJ is doing sustainable? Uh, it just depends. I think it depends on the jumper. He's going to have to take catch-and-shoot threes if he wants to stick in the rotation. Like, at least, you know, for whatever Okoro doesn't do, at least he does take the shots that are given him you know, within the flow of the offense. So he can't record scratch on the perimeter at an open, uh, open three. So I, I don't know, you know, I think, but I, I do think that he's, he's earned a spot above Okoro on the pecking order. That's where I think it stands today. I, I think it is sustainable, but JB has to play him. I think one of the things that's sustainable about him is, is that when teams go under in the pick and roll and he has the ball in his hand, he absolutely attacks that, gets as close to the rim as he can and has the athleticism and the medium-range jump shooter to pull up and hit it, yeah. which which makes up for his inability, you know, his, his less than prolific catch-and-shoot three-point shooting, which he wasn't a bad one in college. He just didn't shoot a ton till his senior year, his fifth year, actually. Because he played two years in, ju- in junior college. But the problem he's going to have is when teams really drop on him. and Or they switch to get the big on him. And we'll see what happens. But one thing that's impressive about him, he can go either direction. He finishes really well. He's not a liability defensively. He's an asset. So I think it's absolutely sustainable. Um, Chris... What are you doing? What is the best Thanksgiving food? Ooh, man, you know, the best thing that I had, I just had a Thanksgiving dinner this weekend, and I'd have to say it was the mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, nice. Just straight mac and cheese. They do anything crazy, bacon, breadcrumbs. Oh, yeah, it was um, it was spicy. It had jalapenos in it. it had oh, very nice. Cheeses. Yeah, several different cheeses. Yeah, it uh, had a crispy crust on it. It was fantastic. One of the best I've ever had. So is 
this is Thanksgiving one of those holidays where the side dishes are better than the main dishes? Oh yeah, is turkey's it, yeah, ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you say turkey is ass? Yes. <laughs> you don't like turkey, Eli. Uh, do I like any ass? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, ladies, uh, scratch that one off your bucket list. He's he's no Kevin Love. <laughs> um, no, I I mean turkey's one of those foods where they literally try to make it taste like anything other than turkey, and that's when it's good. So like, I will say this: I do like a nice turkey leg. I can, okay, I can. I can agree yeah, to that. E- Eli, a fan of Ren Fairs and just going and grabbing a turkey leg off the grill. Yes. <laughs> but at that point, like, a chicken drum is good, too. So, like... Yeah, why... but it's not as much meat. You got to admit sure. that. Like, you feel like a man's man eating a big old piece of turkey leg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not worth it. Like, it's... I think it's a scam. I think the turkey... Farmers of America. <laughs> there's, a deep, there's a deep turkey. About a hundred years ago, state. did this. Yeah, turkey deep. State and you like, heard it first is... here. Thanksgiving <laughs> is all a conspiracy by Big Turkey. Exactly. It's because they, when they can't grow chickens, that's what they grow, and they've somehow conned America to doing that. Well, so I live in an area with a buttload of turkey farms, and there is nothing that smells worse than being downwind of a turkey farm. So take that for what you will. But the other thing is we have, I have wild turkeys running through the neighborhood all the time. Like I'll get a flock of like 12 wild turkeys just like yesterday. I just, or I guess it was like a week and a half ago. I look out my window and it's just like fucking dinosaur head right there. (laughs) Like right outside my window, a turkey. It was crazy. So I'm going to go with, so my all-time banger of a dessert is pecan pie. That is my favorite Thanksgiving food. And I'm going to, favorite savory element would be uh, my mother-in-law and her mom before her make a fantastic stuffing. So, and and in fact, we have stuffing debates in my house because my wife hates my mom's stuffing. She makes this wild rice and raisin and pecan stuffing. And and in Chris's words, it's ass. <laughs> and she doesn't eat ass. Unless oh. you're wearing a Kevin Love jersey and eating a big old freaking turkey drumstick. And this oh. has been Cavs the Bog. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blog Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.